With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. You're you're listening to the podcast for all of the news, notes, and breakdowns for your Ohio State Buckeyes. This is Sons of the Shoe with Nick Wilson and Spencer German. It's your boy, Nicky Dubs, and Spencito, back on the Sons of the Shoe podcast. What a podcast we have for you today. It feels weird to say that, but we've got a Michigan State preview we got it to. The latest on the sign-stealing scandal. May Connor Stallion's career rest in peace. But uh, I guess we'll start the week with one. How are you doing, Spencer German? Can't complain, Nick. Uh, busy week, but uh, looking forward to uh, another Buckeyes game. Hopefully, well, it, let's be honest. It should be, it should be a Buckeyes win on Saturday. If not, something went very, very wrong in that game. But, uh, yeah, man, can't complain. It's, uh, it's been a good week so far, and I'm happy to be back with you, as always, on Tuesday. And we, we're doing it yet. Yeah, we're releasing this episode Tuesday morning, but we obviously have our live reaction to the college football playoff rankings later tonight as well, which will be fun because I know we're going to ask this later in the show, but will Ohio State still be number one? We'll find yeah. out later tonight. I mean, I mean, it's funny how everybody who thought Ohio State shouldn't have been number one in the first place after the Rutgers win also thinks Ohio State should no longer be number one. It's like <laughs> there's a through line. There's consistency in that take. But uh, yeah, at least, at least there's people being consistent. We'll give them that. <laughs> what today actually gives us a, a chance to do is finally have the full Honda McCord conversation because, you know, we've had the conversation post game mostly. And, you know, we're talking about like the nuance of his gameplay, but I think it's been really interesting just to take stock of like Kyle McCord and his performance tells the statistical tale, which is if you look at this, the stats are comparable to some of the best statistical lines in college football but then you compare it to, to the eye test. And this is a moment. Listen, I, I got to be honest with you, Spencer. I start this maybe as a hypocrite. Like, to me, when it comes to evaluating Ohio State overall, the eye test does not matter. You've won. You've got a top 10 margin of victory. You've got more quality wins than any of the other teams in the top five. So that, to me, 
Like, bleep the eye test. Bleep the fact that Kyle Manungai just ran for 100-plus yards on you. Bleep the fact that that game really was close until, like, the fourth quarter. Nah, I don't care. You've done it. You've passed every test. Whereas with McCord, I'll be honest, this is where the hypocrisy comes in. I think you look at McCord and you say, well, statistically, everything looks hunky-dory. But I think when you go to the eye test, there's just a lacking dynamism. I don't even know that's a word. Um, It's just not dynamic, and that's obvious. Yeah, I think um, I, I think you're 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 on the right track with it because it's yeah, like you can look at the stats numbers show, but as we know, Nick, as people who cover multiple teams, you know, locally here in Northeast Ohio, but obviously the Buckeyes as well, like it's about more than just what the stats say. And I think with McCord, that's the case. Like, yeah, there's the the numbers are fine, they're 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 good, they're they're solid, but we know that every couple plays he had for every awesome, you know, drop in the bucket sideline throw to Marvin Harrison Jr. that we were, we've sat there and been like, oh, wow, that's like a C.J. Stroud throw. There's also been, you know, three or four turnover-worthy plays that either they get the lucky bounce and it doesn't end in a pick or it it, it ends up in the dirt or something and it, it it's they avoid a disaster. But, yeah, I, I think the eye test matters here. The numbers are certainly part of the conversation, but they can't be the whole conversation. And I do think it's it's an interesting as, – as we talk about this team in the landscape of the college ball playoff, we have always kind of already agreed that McCord might be the one thing that holds you back. Um, and I'm interested to kind of dissect that some more. I actually – so I, I pulled this up last night. I was kind of looking through this. I wanted to compare – because at the beginning of the season, Nick, I kind of said that I thought if McCord – my thought was that, yes, the Buckeyes probably have lesser play at quarterback than they've had in recent years. I wasn't trying to say that any of these guys were going to be C.J. Shroud, Dwayne Haskins, et cetera, Justin Fields. But I said that I trusted Ryan Day to – I've always trusted Ryan Day with, like, quarterback play. Like, that's one thing I don't worry about with him, where we can talk about, like, going forward on fourth down or red zone or, you know, if he's, if he's, if he's clenched the entire game or whatever, if he's coaching tight – like that, that's one thing, but I do trust him with the quarterbacks that he's bringing in. And so I kind of said, like, we've seen teams go out and win national championships with quarterback play. That was above average. Stetson Bennett. <clears throat> yes. Well, Sorry, and I, that, <clears throat> yeah. Listen, that's the perfect name to bring up because I, I pulled up by comparison, their stats. And again, this wasn't going back and looking at the tape of Stetson Bennett that year and seeing some things. And it does come with the caveat that Stetson Bennett, you mentioned, dynamism and if he's dynamic enough Stetson Bennett can run a little bit more he was more athletic I would say than what we've seen from Kyle McCord at this point but you look at the numbers in 2021 when they won the national championship now his his last year there which he felt like he was there for like seven years um he only was there for four us surprisingly but he didn't graduate which was weird um 4,128 yards passing was the last year he was there but that was like a year he was very much in rhythm and kind of figured things out the year before that, though, where they still won a national championship, he had 2,862 yards, 29 touchdowns, seven interceptions. If you look at McCord's numbers right now, he's already at 2,352 yards, 17 touchdowns, four interceptions. Again, eye test matters, context matters. I, I didn't go back and watch every play of Stetson's been a career, Stetson's been a 2021 season, but I think like if he's on par with that, why can't they be in the national championship conversation with a guy? like Kyle McCord, if some of these other things come along here in the next couple of weeks? I don't think it's that you can't. I just think that 
the quarterbacks become so important in college football because yeah. it's not that the running game has been minimized in any way. It's just that the passing game, you know, that high school influence has in, in the spread concepts, that's just become the thing where like the number one thing you have to have to be truly in the national title picture. And it's almost the get out of jail free card is a dynamic quarterback. You know, that's Caleb Williams, right? And now what we're finding out is Caleb Williams has a dog ass defense. And now all of a sudden they're completely out of the playoff picture after the Utah loss, but like Bo Nix, like Bo Nix is not a, he's not the most dynamic. He's not, I don't know that Bo Nix is a, a, a top 64 pick in the NFL, but he's still a dynamic quarterback. Michael Penix Jr., maybe a fringe first rounder, still a, so again, arguable, debatable starting quarterback of the NFL, dynamic in his playmaking ability. That's just not Kyle. And I think like I break it down four ways with a quarterback, right? Or, or, or with, with a team. I look at uh, from the offensive side, there's three things I care about. It is quarterback system and skill playing talent. And then the fourth thing that you kind of look at is can the defense stifle in one way or another. And in and, and Ohio state, you know, defense has some great moments. I don't know that they're truly like, they're a top 10 defense, but I don't know. They're the 85 bears, you know, but like, <laughs> I, meaning no. like it, it doesn't look exactly how you think it is. Cause they don't consistently generate a megaton of pressure, but like, they're just a really stout defense that is almost like a no name defense. Like, yeah, Tyleek Williams is great. Yeah. Uh, to, uh, to is great, but like by and large, they're just, they're just 11 really good players on the field at the same time. But getting back to the quarterback, or getting back to the offense, it's quarterback, it's system, and it's skilled talent. I know for a fact that, that Kyle McCord's working with some of the best skilled talent oh, yeah. in football. 100%. So then to me it becomes this push and pull between the system and how Ryan Day uses quarterbacks and the quarterback himself. And every time that I you, – you mentioned trusting Ryan Day. I think there's a conversation to be had about should we – be giving that kind of trust to Ryan Day when it comes to quarterbacks. Not saying the guy's a slap ass, but I think that, you know, he might have a couple flaws that I think we can kind of compare things to just in a moment. But like getting back to to the quarterback spot, if you're not a playmaker at the quarterback spot, which now it feels like the number one thing, you can run more, you can pass more. You know, you can be turnover heavy. You can have all sort of flaws, all sort of gifts, but you just got to make plays. That's just not Kyle. Like the plays, when you see him on the field, it is he's getting Marvin Harrison more, mostly because there have been a couple nice throws, as you mentioned, to the sideline or the G. Scott touchdown. But most of the big plays are, oh, you hit um, Marvin Harrison on a shallow crossing route and Marvin turned a five-yard play into a 60-yard play. Oh, you hit... Um, Travion Henderson settled down in right in front of you on a check down and he turned that into a 33 yard play like that to me is the dyne the, the dy dynamic quality of the offense so you can win that way yeah but man I think your margin for error is so slim that in every other facet of the game you have to play near flawless football and I don't know Ohio State is built that same way Two, last year, they were built that way. Two years ago, I think they were built that way. This year, they got a lot of talent, but I don't know they have enough dynamic talent around Kyle to beat Michigan and to win the Big Ten title game and to win two playoff games. They might well, win a few I'm not, of those I, games, 
I'm not as worried about the Big Ten title game. I, I think that whoever they get out of the West, I think they beat. But uh, Michigan's obviously the big one. And if they do get past Michigan, then, yeah, then it becomes a conversation of, like, what about the playoff games? Are they able to compete with some of these other teams? But, I, I mean, I do think, too, Nick, like, this is a year where I don't know that we've seen any teams that really are, like, running away with things. That That's kind of been the story in the past. You know, Georgia just runs their way through the SEC, other than maybe a little bit of a challenge from Bama or Bama does the same in the SEC and, you know, Michigan and Ohio state basically did it last year in the big 10, but I don't know if we know the full picture of Michigan. We know, I think a good, a good amount, but they haven't really played anybody. Um, and yeah, like I, I think there's, there's questions kind of all around like Florida state looks like they've had some lapses at times. We don't know how that Duke game goes. If Riley Leonard doesn't get hurt, like there's some questions I think about all these playoff teams, which is why I do think that in a year where, you don't have that dynamic quarterback. CJ Stroud was more dynamic than we we thought he was because they never seemed to run him run him at all. And then in the in the basically it looked like Ryan Day saved that part of his game for the the, the playoffs. And he was like, oh, now we'll pull this out and let him use it. So maybe he's doing that with McConnell Court. I don't think that's actually true. I'm I'm being facetious here, but um, yeah, like I I think that in a year where there's a lot of questions about a lot of these teams maybe you can get away with that. Like maybe you can get away with just getting the ball to Travion Henderson in space or Marvin Harrison in space. And Kyle McCord doesn't have to take over the game for you to be able to win. I, I, I do feel that way. And I do think to your point, like that is what the offense has to be. The offense isn't going to be Kyle McCord, just lighting it up necessarily or running or scrambling or doing this read option stuff. It's going to be getting Travion Henderson, the ball on a screen, getting Marvin Harrison on a crosser over the middle. And then he makes a big play. And then every now and then, Kyle McCord is going to have to make a play. You're right. The margin of error is thin, but I think that they can get the job done that way. I think they can, but I don't know they will. I, I want to get back to something because yeah, I was I was, I was was like writing down, like I was trying to define the lack of dynamism from Kyle McCord. And, I, and it made me realize something. I think you mean, one of the you reasons- mean Honda McCord isn't enough. <laughs> no, it's a good car. Get you from point. A to B. Um, it has ironically enough has gotten you from point A to point B, but like, I was like, okay, he lacks consistency with touch. He has, has a nice arm, but he doesn't have like an elite arm. The decision-making is still incredibly slow. Like, yeah. and you can see like he speeds up and then all of a sudden you, you start to kind of see him, not panic, but you can he's he's not coming off that one read if he's feeling pressured. And then so so it's not up here. That that's not dynamic. And then he he's not a runner in any way, shape, or form. So like if I asked you, like, what is what does Kyle McCord do really well? Do you have an obvious answer? Because I'm I'm jotting <laughs> down trying to find something, and I'm not trying to dog the kid. No, he's no, seen, no, no. Like he's done what he has to do to this point, but we're we got bigger aspirations here. And there's a bar, the bar gets raised from Michigan game on. And I just, I can't, what's, what's the thing? What's the thing? Uh, that you I think I, I, as I sit here and stew on it, I think my answer might be that he doesn't, I'm not saying he doesn't panic at all in the pocket, but he doesn't panic in those key moments of games. I think Notre Dame showed us that. I think there was probably some moments in the Penn state game where like, you were one play away from Penn State kind of getting back in that thing or making it interesting or making it close. And this offense, surprisingly, because I feel like Ohio State in the past has kind of peed down their leg in those moments. Um, surprisingly, they they have been sort of um, – what's the right phrase? They, they uh, 
they've like unwavered in the way that they've kind of handled those situations when the game's on the line or they need a big drive or whatever. Uh, that, that Notre Dame drive did show me a lot about Kyle McCord, and that was only like his third, fourth start of his career or uh, of, of the season for him. Um, but yeah, I, I think maybe that's the one thing you can, you can give them. But I agree with you that there's not like a skill set thing. That's more of like a mental thing than it is like a skill set thing where you're like, oh, this, you know, like these recruits come out of college and you're like, well, this guy's got a strong arm. Oh, this guy's a really dynamic dual threat guy. Like that you can pinpoint those things. I don't know if I have an answer for you though. That ilk for Kyle McCord. I agree with you. You you really just wanted to say Moxie that whole time, didn't you? (laughs) He's got Moxie. I didn't think of that one. That sounds like Moxie. That sounds like a good word that uh, Ryan Day would use. He'd be like, oh, our team's got Moxie. And his next rant about, uh, yeah, toughness Toughness and Moxie. And Moxie. Um, I feel like every time we talk about uh, uh, Kyle McCord, I feel like we're in office space. Like, what exactly would you say it is that you do here, Kyle? And and, And here's what I think is really interesting about this is I think a lot of our, a lot of the Ohio State fears on Kyle McCord also tie right back to Ryan Day. And you kind of threw this one away a minute ago, but like, I think you start to see like CJ, or, or sorry, uh, Justin Fields is the anomaly. Like, look at what CJ Stroud's doing and ask yourself, how many times last year was CJ Stroud put in a, into a situation where he could do what he did on Sunday for 470 yards and four plus touchdowns? And again, I want to be really fair here. I, I don't think Ryan Day's a bad coach, but I do think, like, I think it's fair to ask, okay, the system very clearly generates numbers, and they very, like, when you look at the stat line, it looks pretty, but I do wonder if at points Ryan Day acts as a restrictor plate, and this is where I give Kyle the out to some degree. I wonder if Ryan Day's offense, or maybe Ryan's play calling, acts as a restrictor plate for quarterbacks, because... I don't think I saw the C.J. Stroud I saw on Sunday for the Houston Texans, except in the the Georgia game where that dude was using everything in his arsenal and had his mm. what I think was his finest day as a, as, as a Buckeye quarterback. And so, like there are like the Rutgers game, and I understand the the defensive scheme that they were playing in early, limited, and you were just taking the easy throws underneath and not overcomplicating it. That's what I'm talking about. I, but I think there are obvious moments where I think, all right, either Kyle or Ryan has to just, it's like a put it on the table moment. All right. And like, I don't know if Kyle's afforded those moments. I don't know he's afforded moments where it's like, hey, man, you know, we're up, you know, 14 points here. We need a death knell blow. We're going to do that. I think, yeah. I think, I, I, I think th- the system puts it on the players, and I think that's a moment where you could build trust with a young quarterback. Well, I, and I think from Kyle's perspective, and this is just the way I look at it, like from Kyle's perspective, I'm guessing he probably views it where he's like, hey, I'm just going to do what I'm asked to do. You know, first year as a starting quarterback on the Ohio State University uh, football team, like I'm not going to – I am not. I don't want to screw it up. Like I'm just going to do mm-hmm. what I need to do. But I think from the other perspective where you talk about like the play calling restricting him – I mean, and we talk about it like Ryan Day, I think sometimes does coach like like very tensed up. Like I, I think he he knows the pressure's on and his job's in the line and what's at stake with the, at the school specifically that he's at. And I'm not saying he's sitting there thinking like, well, Gene Smith is going to be gone next spring. What's that mean for me while he's in the middle of a Rutgers game or a Michigan game or whatever? But I like I think all that stuff weighs on you and you almost wonder 
in certain situations if he does coach more conservatively when he's got all these things kind of weighing on when he realizes the pressure of the moment or the pressure of the game because it is Ohio State and it is a high-stress situation. Like, I don't envy him. Like, like look, that's got to be one of the hardest jobs in the country because the pressure that comes with winning – uh, just in general, but also beating Michigan. I mean, think about it. The guy's got. I, I envy him. The guy's way. got. Well, he's he's yeah, he's set for life. Money he's but. he's making good money. Uh, he he can pick <laughs> any job he wants. But, but, and if and he's a married man, but if he chose to, he could get boy band ass. All right, those three things. Those hey, three things really set you up for life, man. Two digit Urban did so we or whatever it is. Uh, oh no no, Irby two did. Irby two did. Don't, don't, don't forget about it. <laughs> I'm getting closer to getting it right on one of these days. Um, <laughs> um no i i uh i yeah you know you're right about that but i just think like you think about the stress of that situation and, and the program that he's at and everything that goes into it i mean i mean nick you hear the conversations the guy's got what six losses in big 10 or in his career and what mm-hmm. like two in the big 10 over the course of his his, his tenure and it's not good enough for people because he hasn't beaten michigan now two times in a row like like right. I, I can understand why maybe that would weigh on a guy a little bit so real quick, I think what I'm talking about more is a mentality, if I'm Ryan Day, that says, I got to find three to four minutes, uh, three to four moments in this game where I can go to Kyle and say, hey, I, like, this is your moment. Yeah. I need this from you. And where it, it, it's trust building moments. Like, I, I watch Kyle sometimes. Did you think and we kind of got that in the Notre Dame game? Because I brought up the last drive and listen, like, that last drive, man, he made some like A plus, um, like incredible throws, like the type of stuff you're looking for when you're looking for a quarterback at Ohio State and somebody who's gonna win you a national championship. I mean, that throw to a, a Buka, I remember, was incredible, like amazing. There were some moments in that in that game and on that drive where I was like, okay, this guy can do this. So I think I've seen them at points, uh, meaning like an individual moment in an individual game. But I think, like, to me, that's something that needs to be repeated multiple times. Like, I I think I think Kyle's still very much a young quarterback, which has been one of the defenses of him, and it's a proper defense of him. And I think, to me, like, this is – I just – I'm a big proponent on, like, leadership. Are you doing everything you can to get the best out of this kid? And I think when you see a kid struggling to develop – like, I was talking to somebody earlier today, and they're like, well, but he's developing. And I'm like – where? And I'm, I'm not trying to be an a-hole. Like, I, this is not, to me, that's not on Kyle. Like, this kid's clearly a Division One quarterback. And, you know, I can buy into the, even the Joe Burrow comp. Like, man, you just keep him healthy and you, like, you let him go through his process and maybe the light clicks on next year. Hell, maybe the light clicks on in the Michigan game or maybe it clicks on in, in, a, in a hypothetical playoff game. You know, like, maybe. But I think it's the job of the coach mm. to help like okay. to see where the, the player is in his development and then say, all right, we got to find a way to foster so, that moment. So two questions then. So you Ooh. think Ryan Day is almost holding back Kyle McCord in a way? Um, let me put it this way. I, I'm not certain that he is, but I'm also not certain that he's putting this kid in the best position to develop. And okay. again, Ryan's focusing on winning, which I understand that's the – that's a top bar. You got to win. I get that. But like, if you want to win those games late in the season, the big matchups where you can't just out talent somebody, you need a 
confident quarterback, and I don't see that in, in Kyle McCord. And I don't, I don't okay. know if that's the criticism he's getting. I don't know if it's just the pressure of being Ohio State's quarterback and following up C.J. Stroud. I don't know if it's a pressure of work, you know, um, you know, playing for for Ryan. I, I don't know, but I think you have to ask yourself that question: like, is is Ryan Day maximizing Kyle McCord? Mm. And the fact that I can't definitively say yes. I think allows okay. some room for doubt there. Okay, so then my follow-up to that is, are we too harsh on Kyle McCord? Because if you're saying that maybe it's the, the the situation with Ryan Day and he's not putting him in advantageous situations or he's not helping build his confidence, should we just be kind of be taking – should we be viewing Kyle differently and feel like maybe we're a little too harsh in terms of the way we judge him? And I kind of feel like we are in some instances, Nick. Not not I'm not even saying like you and me specifically. I'm just saying in general because – when these games are going on, you got people ripping Kyle McCord up and down, whether it be uh, on social media or otherwise. And I get it, but at the same time, in the same vein, wait, like, one second. There's a, a little old man, literally just pulled his pecker out and is pissing. <laughs> oh my! Is he facing you? Yeah, I'm. I'm. <laughs> I'm eye to eye, my two eyes with his oh one-eyed monster. Like, what are we? <laughs> What are we doing here? Oh, man, this is a priceless moment. Let's mark this. Nice oh. dick, fella. <laughs> oh, Jesus God. Christ. Like, is, I mean, I'm not uh, trying to be this guy. Have we lost civility? That's, that's, that, that, is, that takes some some real confidence there to just whip it out when somebody's sitting right there in the in the. In I the, mean, I, well, I, looking that, at he you. made sure that nobody was looking, and I'm like, Did Bro. he give you, like, a wink or anything? Was he like, hey. No, man. because <laughs> I have the blinders down because the lights, the sun's actually out in November in Cleveland, for Christ's sakes. And and it's too bright, so I have. Maybe the he thought you couldn't down. see him. Maybe and this dude, this dude does the old peekaboo, like I don't know. I guess I should pull my dick out. Like, what are we doing here? Oh man, there's well, a this... window in front of you, moron. <laughs> I, it's more that I'm like, I, this is so okay. We will get back to the Ryan Day conversation in two seconds. This is a you looked everywhere but in front of you, dog. <laughs> like, meanwhile. I gotta, I gotta look the snake from Harry Potter dead in the eyes. <laughs> the basculus. <laughs> no, no, no. Whatever. This is not Nagini. a basculus. This was a gardener snake. Is yeah, what saying. yeah. This was, this was more of your, uh, your, your mid-sized sedan. But the point is, I'm not shaming here. I'm just, you know, you know what? Maybe let's get back to Ryan Day. Thoughts on Ryan Day and Kyle McCord. Oh man, you think Ryan Day's got a basculus with this play calling? <laughs> the way he calls plays. <laughs> um, no, no. I think he has uh, another midsize sedan and he knows how to use it. But uh, he knows what really the limitations no are too. There's he really no the way out of this, is there? Oh, man. Well, this this segment went off the rails. We went from asking right? if uh, we're too harsh in common court to uh, going eye to eye with. Uh, One-eyed um, Willie. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I will ask you. Because I was in the middle of a, the, the rant about is he helping or hurting? Do you think Ryan Day is 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 helping or is more helping or hurting the Honda McCord? I hate to be like a fence sitter on this, but I don't really think he like I don't think he's hurting Kyle McCord because I do think Kyle McCord just in general has limitations and he recognizes that. But I also don't think he's 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 not calling the plays he was calling for CJ Stroud last year, right? Where he's not opening up the playbook and being like, hey air it out. I trust you go make a play. I like, I agree with you. I'm seeing the same thing, 
but I don't think he's hurting him because I think he understands there's limitations. Like I think he has him on the path he's supposed to be on. I think we kind of understand what this team is. And, you know, I bring up whether or not we're too harsh on McCord. I think that at this point in the season, if you're sitting here expecting in the next three games for, my, for Kyle McCord to take some massive leap where he all of a sudden turns into Dwayne Haskins or whoever, I think that you're missing the boat on who he is as a player. And so I think at this point, I'm done sort of sitting here being like, man, McCord, you got to be better there. You got to like, like, I think he just is what he is. And that's kind of what I, I, I think day is trying to put him in the right situations, advantageous situation to be successful. And I'm kind of trusting him with that. And I guess we'll see if it means you can beat Michigan that way or win a playoff game that way or not. But I, I don't necessarily think he's helping, helping him immensely or hurting him immensely. So I want to put a bow on that because I didn't answer your question earlier because we got interrupted by uh, the snake from Harry Potter. Um, yeah, sure. <laughs> I, yes. To me, it's perspective. If your perspective is the last nine games have not been enough, you're wrong. Kyle McCord has been enough. And he was enough to beat Notre Dame, and he was enough to beat Penn State. And he, and he came up big in those moments, and that should be celebrated. But if your perspective is – the last nine games aren't enough for what could be the final four games of this season. I think that's a fair perspective. Yeah, but I think if you put that all on Honda McCord, I do think you're missing the point. Like a quarterback can lack um, a dynamic attribute or lack any level of, of dynamism, and you can still win, right? We remember every Oklahoma quarterback before Baker Mayfield. We remember um, – uh, Matt Leinert. Okay, that's not fair. He was actually pretty good. <laughs> but, you know, like, it can happen. But I think the question is, how much then do you need out of, uh, out of Henderson, out of uh, Maserati Marv, out of that offensive line? Like, what do you need from everybody else? So I, I think the answer is yes. I think we've been too hard on Kyle this whole process, and I don't think that's helping the kid. So I also think you have to ask yourself, what is everybody around him doing to get the best out of him? And I think there should at least be a kernel of doubt, especially with Ryan, about that idea of are you giving him enough moments to open it up, to gain confidence, to be the best version? Just because just he's limited doesn't mean you can't maximize his limited ability. So we got more on that, by the way. Obviously, the, the Honda McCord conversation is going to be an ongoing convo here. But... Oh, there's a game coming up, and it's a late game. And we got to get to the Michigan State game. We got to get to the Michigan scandal because there's a lot more on that. But first, a message from our sponsors. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Nick and Spencer back on the Sons of the Shoe podcast. I'm pretty confident this segment will be a Sons of the Shoe with a little public indecency. Nothing. Well, yeah, nothing. I would. I like. I think zero penile references Actually, in this segment. That, by the way, the, the the best titling is when you come up with a title during the show, like something comes out of it. This is it. Something yeah. definitely came out of this show. There was it was looking right at you, and that is the name of this show now. It's under the shoe with a side of public indecency. There you yeah, go. I mean, which has always been how I roll, but that's that's uh, that's for a different podcast. Is that what you call um, when you take your shoes off in studio? It's the oh it's a little my, public indecency with your feet. Yeah, that's. I mean, I really, I just, I do not care about others in the studio, and mainly because it's Dustin and it's Keith, and I would like them to suffer a little bit. But yes, yes. I'm more indecent to Dustin and Keith than I am to my actual family where I really let my hair down. (laughs) So we got the Michigan State game uh, to talk about. It is this weekend in Columbus. It's a 7.30 kickoff. And I would like to start this with a slight bit of indecency here, at least to the FCC, and ask the question, why the fuck is this a 7.30 kickoff? Um, It's a good – you know what? This game's on Fox, right? It's a Fox game, I believe. I believe you are correct, yeah. Okay, so I I've realized because I've asked myself the same question over the years, Nick. Like, why wasn't like why isn't Michigan uh, Penn State a late night kickoff? Like that feels like a game that should be. It should be. It's in Penn State. It should be a whiteout. All these different things. Like, okay, and instead it's a noon kickoff, which just makes absolutely no sense. Um, so yeah, like I've asked myself similar questions, and then I've I've kind of come to the to realize that you know I can ask these questions all I want. But it ultimately always just comes down to whatever the network's doing at, at that given time. So they they choose that. We have no say in it. It's kind of stupid. I agree with you. I don't know why they're putting this game at uh, seven thirty because it's going to be over within thirty minutes. But I guess that and means way, a lot of Buckeyes fans. It's an NBC fans game. Can go to bed. Yeah, oh, it's just NBC. Real quick. Okay, it is okay. an NBC game. So yeah. that means it's probably happening what after like a Notre Dame game or something like that because Notre Dame's probably on in the afternoon. Of course, I'm naturally. Guessing. Uh, I'm looking it's up probably right a good now. guess, I'm but I, I just, right I know Notre Dame doesn't matter. Any, yeah. Notre Dame. That, that's exactly what it is. Notre Dame plays a three 30 game against Wake Forest. So that's why they made it a night game. There you go. We figured it out. We got to the bottom of it. What a stupid decision. I think I was thinking the, the Browns game is a Fox game. That's what I was thinking. Um, All right. So let's get to this. There's not a lot of analysis required for this game. You, <laughs> you kind of came up with one stat that could be intriguing for this game. And here's your big moment because I, I want you to sell the fight to me. Um. Well, I, I I said that I think Michigan State's defense, in terms of like passing yards allowed and other passing statistics, is basically like mid fifties, fifty, you know, fifty five, fifty sixth overall or something like that. So you know, we sit here and talk about Kyle McCord and if Ryan Day's holding him back. And so my question was kind of, is this an opportunity? is this game specifically an opportunity for him to kind of open things up 
and allow him maybe to, to do more with this passing offense and see what his limitations are or aren't because you're a little you're less worried about doing these things against Michigan State who you know you can probably beat handily and it has a bad passing off it's it, you know you think maybe people might have thought Rutgers was not a great a, a great defense but they they actually were statistically their run defense was really good and their pass defense was or actually I think it was their pass defense was really good their run defense was solid as well so you had a team that you weren't going to necessarily do that against but this week feels like the opportunity to maybe do that against Michigan State yeah, I kind of liken this to the last Browns game against Arizona, where I think it was two possessions into the game. Kevin Stefanski win for it on fourth and third, right around midfield. And it was a moment where it's like, that was basically Kevin Stefanski saying, they're not, we could turn over on downs. They're not going to do a damn thing. And I feel like that's what we should be saying here. I think um, Michigan State, they're good enough to beat Nebraska. I'll, I'll do respect to Nebraska. They might be good enough to to push you a little bit here, but I think this is a game where you go into it, you give Kyle McCord a couple chances, and and see if you can jumpstart. I mean, Ryan Day after the the Rutgers game talked about the struggles in the first half and how they just they we, don't. We come talked out about of the it. Game. They're they're yeah. one of the worst teams in terms of scoring in the first quarter in the first half. I think it's like four points something points in the first quarter, and then like only like fourteen in the first half or maybe less. It's not pretty. Like I agree with you. Like they need to. They need games here leading up to Michigan where they jumpstart this offense because if you, you know, if, if you start slow against a team like Michigan State or Rutgers, you can dig yourself out of it. If you start slow yeah. against Michigan in three weeks, it's a different story. But yeah, I mean, we know the turmoil that surrounded Michigan State this year um, from the the head coach situation and him being forced out, and then the the whole Hitler on the video board thing. Like it's just been a mess there. They have a they don't even have like a set quarterback. They're basically doing what Ohio State did the first couple weeks of the season. Uh, where they started the season with one guy, and now it's uh, Kaiten Hauser is kind of their go-to, but they're still rotating in. Sam Levitt in at quarterback, um, so kind of getting some young guys some experience. Like, this is a game Ohio State should win handily. Michigan State also is – they are one of the worst teams in college football. Uh, they are in the, like, 120s in terms of scoring per game. Like, their offense has not put up a lot of points. They're averaging, like, 18 points a game. It's not pretty. They should – win this game going away. And that's why I bring up the idea that like, maybe this is the opportunity to open things up a little bit and try some new things. I, I just really enjoyed how you were like, you know, they had the whole Hitler on the scoreboard thing. <laughs> just glossed over as, it. <laughs> as if that was like, oh no, it was their turn to well, have I, I think, the Nazi dictator okay. on the scoreboard. Hitler that's on the, the scoreboard is not good, but it actually sounds like a musical. Wait, what did you say? Right. Hitler on the scoreboard sounds kind of like a musical. Not a good one. <laughs> oh, my God. But a, but a musical oh, nonetheless. Lordy. It's Hitler on well, the scoreboard. <laughs> but my point, the reason I made that feel lesser was because Hitler on the scoreboard definitely feels less than the whole thing that Mel Tucker was wrapped up in. That was a lot more current. Pretty, pretty bad. And, yeah, I think, uh, I think that uh, that was uh, on the scale of present day. I think that that one's probably worse, but neither like of them the are idea. good. Though. I like the idea that you could almost have a, would you rather like, would you <laughs> rather your football program have the Mel Tucker scandal or Hitler on the scoreboard? And the idea that they both happen <laughs> to one at the school, same school oh, within three months of each other is pretty astounding here. It is. So we're going to put a pin in the Michigan state preview. Cause quite frankly, this is a game that if they don't blow Michigan state out, I think it's completely okay 
to panic a little bit and to get a little frustrated and ask why that happened. Whether it's they were looking ahead yeah. to Minnesota, whether they're looking ahead to Michigan, whether they just they whether Michigan State just played the game of their lives, Ryan Day coached his ass out, like whatever it is, that's going to be a fair conversation post game at like midnight live on the 923 the fan YouTube channel. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to follow us live on Saturday night. But the Michigan signs dealing scandal, so from Michigan State uh, to from East Lansing to Ann Arbor, has hit a fevered pitch again this week. And I just I'm going to try and hit the bullet points real quick here, but just so people, it, it, this is what the latest is at the time that we put this out. One, Michigan has received notification of potential disciplinary action from the Big Ten, which I think is like a formality. You have to notify them that something could happen. Two, Ward Manuel, Michigan's AD, said, released a statement saying, I'm not traveling to Dallas to be part of the selection committee this weekend because I'm here, I'm, I'm staying here to be Ooh. part of and, and, and handle things with the NCAA investigation. And there was a huge athletic piece on this about, um, about a former Big Ten staffer that has now given documents to Michigan that, that prove other teams in the conference were colluding to steal signs and plays for Michigan. And I forgot, oh, oh, and by the way, Michigan is, is telling the Big Ten, hey, can we just, can you just wait? for the NCAA investigation results, because that feels more proper. Meanwhile, there's a 13 other coaches and ADs in the Big Ten pressuring Big Ten commissioner, Tony Petiti, to make some sort of ruling before the end of the season. And I think it has something to do with Michigan being undefeated and being a really good team. Call me crazy. I don't think it's outrage. Yeah. I think it's like one of the, this was, this was one of the uh, quotes from The Athletic. One coach who spoke, conveniently under the um, guise of anonymity said, everyone's upset. Why is nothing being done? Which is exactly <laughs> what you wouldn't say if you were being investigated by oh the NCAA. God. I, this, like, is, this is, this, this is a spectacular shit show. I'm loving every moment of it. Man. This is where it, it all goes off the rails, man, because like this is, you know, the, the Spider-Man pointed at Spider-Man meme. Yep. This is that, but it's like copied and pasted over top of each other. Like there's just like, 10 to 12 Spider-Men just pointing at each other. And they're all like, oh, you're Spider-Man. No, no, you're Sp it's 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 literally just that. They're all pointing fingers at each other. They're all saying, well, you stole our signs and we stole your signs. And this is the problem with this whole thing to begin with. It's like, we knew this was going on anyway. Did Michigan take it maybe a bridge too far? Yes. But in the grand scheme of things, it's, uh, it probably isn't like this, this, it probably isn't this, this crime that deserves to be punished in the way that I think a lot of people think it should be punished. Should they maybe, you know, have Jim Harbaugh get suspended or something or for a game here or there or whatever? Like, should you do something with it? Fine, maybe, sure. But, like, there, it seems like the Big Ten is now pushing for some sort of punishment that is just going to completely – that they're hoping just derails Michigan's season, which is, by the way, not smart on the Big Ten's part to do anything because the, the Big Ten – in this world of college football, where your where, where expansion is is ripe with expansion, it's ripe with NIL, it's competitive as hell. You're bringing in new teams. The SEC is bringing in new teams. We're talking about two big mega conferences at some point. 
And, you know, like the Big Ten can rest on their laurels right now and say, well, we bring in more money annually than the SEC does anyway and all these different things. But, like, in terms of trying to make your brand stand out in this world and this this battle that's going on in college football to get the the, the revenue and the, the TV revenue and all these different things, it doesn't make sense for the Big Ten to basically handicap themselves and just go opening scene of the movie Saw and chop off their, one of their legs just to spite their face. Like, it doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense. Why, why would they possibly do this to themselves and hurt one of their best chances to win a national championship for the conference just because Michigan did, took it a step too far? I agree that it looks bad and all these different things, and maybe there's some minor punishment that should be doled out. But to your point on the, the teams all pointing the finger at each other, like we knew this was going on. I'm sure there is evidence that this was going on. But I, it's just gotten out of hand at this point, man. Like this is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. There was one thing I didn't uh, uh, didn't add, which is according to Ross Dellinger and, and Dan Wetzel of Yahoo Sports, the NCAA findings do not connect the in-person scouting and recording of opponents' sidelines to Harbaugh. So that was like, you need the smoking gun. You need some sort of evidence for the NCAA to quote unquote, come down hard. Though I've dropped the hammer because that's what Ohio State fans want and Purdue fans and Nebraska fans want. You need to be able to connect the dots. And whether, whether that actually happened or not doesn't matter. It's all about evidence. And like that to me is where it then circles back to the NCAA. Because remember, or sorry, circles back to the Big Ten. The Big Ten does not have an investigative arm. So any information they rely on is either supplied by other schools, which you're then you're then trusting those schools to be unbiased. Yeah. You're then trusting those schools to to which have, clearly they aren't. Well, and, and basically make sure that they're not fudging the data. And there is evidence that Connor Stallion bought tickets and that they have videographic evidence of Connor Stallions being in those seats recording the opponent's sidelines. But the, the key point is, can you tie it back to Jim Harbaugh? And if you can't, it's meaning if the NCAA can't, there's no way the Big Ten can. So then what are we really talking about here? Like the NCAA well, has no way to prove this. The Big Ten then, you know what this is? I'm going to tell you right now what this is. Tony Petiti is everyone's new stepdad. Okay, he's been on the job about a year, and now he's home alone with the kids. He can't call the mom, and all of a sudden, he has no idea. There's no background. There's no, like, he's just here trying to appease everybody. And in the end, you can't, because this is a massive embarrassment to the Big Ten. And everyone, and not it's not just the 13 teams accusing or, or frustrated, it's Michigan too. Everyone's acting like a petulant toddler. But Tony Petiti ain't going to paddle that ass. Tony Petiti isn't going to set you in timeout. And he has no idea what to do. He doesn't have the skills to do it. And I think, like, if I'm Tony Petiti, I'm going to all 14 schools and saying, shut the hell up. Like, let this thing, because here's the thing. If this happened in February, it and every other step happened, right? The... The, the call with uh, with the 13 coaches in, in ADs, the, the, the visit with uh, Ono, the president of Michigan, all these different things. It's so much quieter. But right now, it's, it's happening in broad daylight in the thick of the uh, NCAA football season, in the Big Ten season, where you've got two teams vying for a playoff spot. And thank God the College Football Selection Committee has said, eh, 
we're, yeah, that doesn't matter to us. We're here to talk about what's happened on the field and football. But like, it's it is this giant scandal, and and I'm telling you, the longer that Tony Petiti continues to try and pacify everybody, and I'm I'm really talking about the 13 other schools right now. The longer he does, the better chance that this thing is at a fevered pitch by the time Ohio State and Michigan kick off, and that is a travesty for this rivalry. That this thing, yeah. which is significant, but not well, as significant as it's being made out to, could overshadow or be the number one story in a game where you could literally have the number one and number two seeds in the college football playoffs. Like, seriously. Yeah. We're not just well, talking about the Big Ten title. We're talking about a chance that both teams, yeah. depending on this game, could be playoff teams. And Tony Patini's dumbass is like, well, tell me, show me on the doll where Michigan gave you a boo-boo. Yeah, and uh, and there was that other story that came out about how Michigan was trying to pin it on like Ryan Day, this PI that was hired. Like it yep. was it was him who did it, and like I I'm just now at a point where I'm like, how, if if Ohio State really had a big hand in this, like how does that benefit them? Knowing again, because I think I think this whole thing just comes back to this doesn't work out for Ohio State in the end, like. This whole scandal, everything in cor- surrounding it, everything it's, that's that, that's going on with it, it all just ends in Michigan being pissed off when you get to that game in a couple weeks here on November 25th. And if they think you're involved at all, or if Jim Harbaugh says, we saw, Nick, this team against the little sisters of the poor that they were playing in the early stages of the season were holding up the number four in honor of Jim Harbaugh because he wasn't out there for their 60 to seven ass whooping on Colorado state or whoever the hell they played like that, that they were motivated during that span of time when they knew they were going to win those games. Anyway, can you imagine if you suspend him or if like, this is still like looming large over their heads when they get to that game and they somehow, some way, you know, that Jim Harbaugh is trying to maybe not, maybe he's not outright saying it, but you know, within the program, the talk is like, Oh, Ohio state had to be involved. Like they're trying to spin this into their advantage. Like this doesn't benefit Ohio state. It doesn't benefit the Big Ten. It's all just gotten so much farther than I ever thought it was. And it was I liked it better when I could just laugh about the name Connor Stallions and laugh at how, how stupid he was to do execute this whole plan the way that he executed it, and that we could kind of keep it moving, assuming that there'd be some minor punishment and that would be that. But all of a sudden, it is doomsday, end of the world, that this is going on, and everyone's pointing the finger at each other. I agree with you. Like It's, I- it's a disaster, and the Big Ten is – kind of uh out of their league with the way that they're handling well and i just want to know why then why the need to get closure on this now from the rest of the big 10 because you can't because well and that's nick that's the part to me that feels like it's like a witch hunt because mm -hmm. you could just let it ride and let the ncaa do their thing or whatever and then maybe next year you're like okay jim harbaugh harbaugh suspended three games again if he even stays unless he goes to the nfl which i think is going to happen anyway but like the whole like rushing to get it done and the coach is pressuring, like, oh, you need to make a decision now. That's what feels like they just really are just targeting going after Michigan, and they want to throw the book at him because they don't like Jim Harbaugh or whatever. And I get it. Like, Jim Harbaugh is not really a likable guy. I can understand that. But at the same time, like, that's where it does feel like a witch hunt. I'm not saying it is, but you make it feel that way when you're crying nanny nanny boo-boo and you're all upset because nothing's being done fast enough for you in the middle of a season where you have two Big Ten teams, like you said, in the playoff conversation. It's ridiculous. The goal should be to get – the right decision done. And if that includes punishment, timing of the punishment should not matter. 
It is about getting it right. And because the Big Ten doesn't have an investigative arm, it sure just seems like 13 other schools, and including Ohio State, smell blood in the water. And that they might they 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 feel a weakness here. And but I, what's and I blood think in the water? Like, are they going to get the death penalty for this? Like, probably well, not. Well, no. Maybe maybe get Jim Harbaugh suspended for the Ohio State game. Maybe maybe get Jim Harbaugh suspended for the Penn State game. I think that. Do I think that's what teams might want to angle for? Is that why it's so important to have it happen now? Yes, I think that is a part of it. And and for me, I like the frustrating thing here is again, I don't like when there's immediacy. Like, we need the death penalty now. Like, no, let's let this thing play out. And the NCAA, with the report saying they can't tie it back to Harbaugh, should completely neuter a lot of the rage on this. Whether you, th- It doesn't matter whether I think he knew. It doesn't matter. It is what can you prove. And that's absolutely what the NCAA and Big Ten should care about because if you don't, your ass will be sued. And I know, like, you know, Ohio State fans have scoffed at the idea of Michigan suing the Big Ten Nobody wants discovery. Nobody no, wants the Big no. Ten does not want because what's going to happen is this is why the leak came out that Michigan had a former Big Ten staffer send them evidence, text messages of teams communicating and gathering information together to steal signs. All right. This is why that all Ward Manual staying in the war room in Ann Arbor because Michigan, very intelligently, in my opinion, is is going to war, and they know they're going to war. And if you're the Big Ten, if you think this sign-stealing scandal hurts your your integrity as a conference, wait until some of the things that are going to come out. Because here's the thing. Much like the sign-stealing stuff, the truth doesn't matter. In the eye of public, it, it it is for some reason in college football. It's the message boards. It's every rumor. It's every innuendo, which, by the way, is more often so much worse than what the reality is. Yeah. But all the things that have happened with Michigan are going to happen when all of a sudden you have Michigan probing to release this information to the public because then the hysteria is going to be built up and it's going to be something that becomes a black cloud over the Big Ten. It already is to some degree, but it can get really ugly really quick. And so to scoff at the idea of Michigan suing is stupid. You do not listen. Everybody wants to play the high road in this Ohio State rivalry. Oh, Michigan forever. What was their BS? Oh, well, we could win national titles, but we have standards. Yeah, your standards were a 12-win season and a loss or a 10-win season and a loss to Ohio State and probably Michigan State or Penn State. Like that was your standard. Okay. Well, now Ohio State has taken this high road, and I'm telling you, there are no high roads when it comes to this world. Everyone's a little dirty. Mm-hmm. And maybe some are cleaner than others, but everyone's a little dirty. And you do not listen. Nobody. We know kind of in the abstract how the sausage is made. You don't want to find out in reality because no. even if it's not sign stealing, maybe you still have the bag man, or maybe there's other ways to get competitive advantages. This is this is for the Big Ten at large. This is not worth it. You can't prove that Harbaugh knew. At least one reporter saying he he, he didn't know though. Right? He did he did know say? though. Right? He did know though. Right? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, probably. I think, but like, but you're right. If you can't prove that, you can't prove that. But so you can't prove it. The Big Ten can't prove anything more than the NCAA can or can't prove. And all of a sudden, you've got teams feeding. Okay, 
what what is Michigan going to be able to feed on Ohio State or Purdue or Nebraska? And Matt Rule, by the way, Matt Rule this week, and I'm sorry, I covered Matt Rule in Charlotte for a couple of years. I think oh he is a God. really nice guy. I really do. Like, uh, you I know made what? Fun of him I, a lot. It's funny. He had that. Did you see that speech that they shared last week where he was talking? It was like their cancer game, and he was talking yeah. about like going to fight. That was incredible. I was yes. like, dude, I would run through a wall for this freaking yes. guy. He's and then. And then, and then and then I heard that quote and I was like, seriously, like so. I went from like my respect for Matt Rule was like up here, and then he said yep. that and I was like, really, really. So real quick for anybody who everybody's scouting everybody, come on. Yeah, well, and he had said, you know, well, we had he was talking about the different games that they had lost, and he had talked, and we got one opponent that scouted us, and it was like this is a guy who had purposefully sidestepped that at every turn and then used it when it was convenient under the guise of protecting my players. I got to speak up for my players. And then he blamed the refs and the calls yes, and all this other Yes, when, when in fairness, time. Matt probably has a better understanding of the situation than I do. I guarantee you he has better understandings of just the Michigan game. I thought it was convenient. I thought it was low-hanging fruit. I respect Matt as a man a lot. I think he is an excellent college coach. I thought he was an abysmal pro coach. I, I thought he thought he could spend five years looking for a quarterback in the NFL. And anybody who ever covered the NFL know you can't do that. I'm happy that Matt's at Nebraska. I hope he does well. But I thought that was a weak-ass comment by him. Agreed. Because I think you told your players, hey, that one wasn't on you. No, you got worked 45-7. to seven. You got your ass beat six ways from Sunday. Own it. Because that, like that, that's the lack of leadership with some of these dudes – who can kind of talk out of both sides of their mouth. Like nobody gives a shit that somebody stole your signs. Nobody does. And if, if you give to the players, Hey man, they're upset about it. Okay. You know, my kids are upset about some injustices in the world too. And as a man, I have to go to them and say, it ain't fair. And Matt said that, but like, once you say, Hey, uh, you know, we got our opponent scouted us. You've given them the excuse. Mm Mm-hmm. And I just think that is absolute horse crap. I don't know why I chose to not say horse shit there because I had already cursed in this segment several times. We've already got, we've already got fucked. We've already got uh, shit. We've already got it all. So also, also like we've already got fucked is just a drop. Um, (laughs) All right. So we do have one more segment to go. We got the Michigan panic meter and we're not talking about the sign stealing scandal and we got fourth and short, but first a word from our sponsor. Final segment of today's podcast, Nick and Spencer with you here. And let's get to the Michigan panic meter. Again, for those new to the bit, new to the show, uh, we gauge our panic for the Michigan game on the gray to scarlet scale of the Michigan panic meter. Gray is the least level of panic. Scarlet is the most. And then you've got light gray, white, and light scarlet in the middle. I have been and- in light scarlet. I will say we have imaging coming very soon. So oh. Nick won't have Nick won't have to describe it every single time. We'll actually be able to show you where we're at in the Michigan panic meter, which I'm very much looking forward to. So just to get here, I, I'm gonna stay at light scarlet. I think <laughs> I think everything that I there's nothing that's changed in the last couple of days. I I think we should always live from white to scarlet. And I think Michigan should do the same thing from White to maize you don't, or blue. You don't think we're making blue. a trip to the gray here is what you're saying. They'll be, no, and, and I, unless we, and then, well, if they beat Michigan, then I guess we go all the way to the, to the gray. 
<laughs> I think we yeah we know we go to the gray until next season starts and then we got to start the panic all over again. So that's where I'm at. What about you, buddy? Uh, I was in white as of the Rutgers game. I sort of dropped it back a little bit, but I'm going to be honest. Like especially with the conversation we just had about the whole scandal and the sign stealing and all this bullshit. Uh, I think I'm going back into just the very end of the the light scarlet because, like I said, I don't I don't think any of this helps Ohio State whatsoever. Like they might think it does if Jim Harbaugh is suspended and all these different things. I think it's just serving as that external motivation. We know covering sports the way we do, Nick, that these athletes, these coaches, they look for anything they can get their hands on to motivate themselves. And I think this is going to be it. So I'm I'm slightly going up from white into just the the light scarlet there a little bit. I like that you are so you are much more prone to panic than I am. Let's get to fourth and short, or sorry, the fourth and short segment, which we start on first and short. Um, and here was my question: Which conference most deserves a second playoff team through this mm. far in the season? I love this question. It's a really good one. Um, and I think there's a couple of different answers because, like, you might look at the SEC and say, "Oh, well, if Bama runs the table and they meet Georgia in a." In the SEC championship game, then it's probably, you know, Georgia and Bama, the SEC, they're always the best conference. And that's a fair, that's a fair statement. But I actually think just based on how things have played out this year, Nick, I think that your answer right now has to be the Pac-12. Um, because you have Washington there, you have Oregon there. Um, now there's a obviously the Big Ten is a, is a, is has two teams that are actually in the top four most likely to make it right now. And that could be very true, but I do think like the winner of the Michigan Ohio state game, we know could decide the fate of whether or not the big 10 gets one or the big 10 gets two. Um, And I think the same could be said, I guess, for the PAC 12 in that if Oregon loses to Washington again, then you have two losses to Washington. Washington's only going to get in over, over Oregon. But if that somehow flips and Oregon meets them in their, in their championship game and beats Washington, then I think you have a valid case to put both those teams in. I really do. I think this is really ironic that this is the year we could use 12 teams, but um, I think the Pac-12 is underrepresented to this point in this conversation. I think, one, I actually still think USC is a top 25 team. I just think they fired their coach too late, their defensive coordinator too late. Um, You look at Utah, you look at Oregon, you look at Washington. I think this is the deepest Pac-12 team I can remember in recent history. Um, and it's fitting that this is the last hurrah. The Pac-12 is stacked this year. Yeah. What'd you say? Going out with a bang. No, going out with a bang. Um, actually, though, I'm, I switched my answer from when you and I talked. I think it's a Big Ten. Right now, I think Ohio State and Michigan are far more – if I'm just talking to this point in the season, both teams undefeated, and the way that they've played has okay. consistently been of a top five team in, yeah. in, con- in college football. Really, really quickly, though, because we know Ohio State got the top spot because of resume. And you can make the case that they didn't use that argument for some of these other teams below Ohio State. Um, but if that's the case, like you're sitting here talking about how great the Pac-12 is, don't those teams both have better resumes then than what Michigan has right now, technically, based on who they've beaten? Um, Washington does. Oregon, Oregon's right there. I would, I would put right now a one-loss Oregon team right there with Michigan. With the the edge that I'm giving Michigan is about dominance and is about the fact they're still undefeated, which probably makes me a basic bitch saying that <laughs> that undefeated matters if you really haven't played anybody. So I will throw. I, I'm committing seppuku right here in front of you. Um, we get to the second of second and short here. 
Uh, would the Big Ten Conference really suspend Jim Harbaugh for the Ohio State-Michigan game? I mean, at this point, Tony Petiti could do anything. I don't know. He he could he you could do pull, everything. You could do nothing. He's gonna he's gonna pull the answer out of his ass. I think so. I have no idea. Um, is that where it is? <laughs> maybe. Who knows? It seems Max, like he I just found kinda... the answer. He was in my rectum. <laughs> <laughs> seems like he's just doing this all on the fly here. So I'm gonna I'm gonna lean no. Like I just think this would handicap the Big Ten way too much. For like I, I think when cooler heads prevail, I think they'll do the smart thing. Do this, and just realize like. Okay, we're gonna let this play out, and nothing's gonna happen this year. And everybody goes into that game. It's it's Ryan Day in the sideline. It's it's Jim Harbaugh on the sideline. We get the matchup that everybody should want because you want to beat the best to be the best. Um, but yeah, I, I I'm gonna say that, but I but I could be completely wrong here. If I had to put money on it, I wouldn't do it, and I wouldn't tell you to do it either. If you were basing your answer off of me, I think he could, but I think it would be the equivalent of Kevin Warren. Uh, one year into his job as, as Big Ten commissioner, um, trying to cancel the football season in the Big Ten. And and Kevin Warren had a long way to go from that, and it took him a long time to crawl out of that with all the administrators and all the, the head coaches in the conference. Ryan Day and Jim Harbaugh did not like Kevin Warren for a long time after that. So I would look at Tony Petiti and say, like, if you suspend him for this game, you're going, hey, he's going to be offering Ryan Day a job pretty soon. Don't, don't yeah, well, don't we'll see about that. But <laughs> I just think I think this is a pivotal moment for to- Tony Petiti early, and I think the worst thing he could do is cater to a mob. I think yeah. he needs to get instead of listening to thirteen rabble rousers all on one call, he needs to be handling every one of these schools, every one of these coaches and ads individually. If he does this. It, it, like it's the kind of thing that could really hamper your ability to be an effective commissioner for several years down the road. I, I think I, I don't I, I think I think people are so thirsty in their bloodlust that they're not realizing what suspending Jim Harbaugh for either Penn State or Michigan, how that would impact how because it's tainting your biggest rivalry. And quite frankly, it could taint like if, if Ohio State were to beat Michigan without Jim Harbaugh and now all of a sudden you're sending Ohio State to Indianapolis, and then all of a sudden we're going to assume that that sends him to the playoff. Yeah, yeah, we're we're going to say even even the um, even some Ohio State fans like myself are going to be saying you needlessly yeah. put yourself in that uh, situation. Now we go to third and short. Uh, Caleb Williams, after the Utah loss, climbed climbed up into the stands and uh, and was uh, cuddling with his mother and crying. So this has been a popular take. I'll ask you: Does Caleb Williams? Is Caleb Williams soft for crying in the stands after no, the loss to Utah? Absolutely not. I'm glad this was on here because we need to set the record straight on this. Like, guys, if we are going to ask for sports to allow athletes to be emotional when they make a big play, and you know, we have this conversation in baseball all the time, let the let the kids play and let them have fun, let them bat flip and all these different things. If we want that sort of emotion, why shouldn't we want the same sort of emotion when it's like a hey, I lost a tough game and I'm feeling it? And this season hasn't gone the way I planned. And I put my heart and soul into this thing. And now it, it hasn't worked out for me. And I'm, I'm sad about it. Like, I don't understand how we can jump to like, I, I guess I do understand because I know where this comes from. It comes from a place of this like toxic masculinity that we always talk about, but like guys, it's 2023. We should all be in Kumbaya with our emotions at this point. Understand it's okay. It is okay for a grown man to cry it is okay for a football player to cry. We see football players like crying during the national anthem, and we're like, 
oh yeah, that guy loves his country. Let the tears out, my man. But then he cries because he lost, and it's like, oh no, you you can't show emotion in that instance. Like, no, 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 no. What are you doing? You got to just act tough and act like it doesn't matter to you. Like, dude, come on. They put their heart and soul into this thing. It's an emotional sport. It's an emotional game. They spend the Caleb Williams has spent probably most of his childhood and young adult and teenage years trying to be good at football and build towards going to the NFL. And he thought his last season potentially, because there's all the rumors he could stay. He thought his last season at USC was going to go differently. It hasn't like, let the man show whatever emotion he wants to show. Come on. I mean, there is a song called pimps don't cry. Um, And I just, you know, I just want that for the record. Um, (laughs) On one hand, like you can't wear F Utah nails. And then a year later, like I understand some fans who look at some of the antics of Caleb Williams and say, well, it's the same kid that had F Utah on his nails uh, while, while just dicing him up last year. On the other hand, I actually am in complete agreement with you. Like everything else about this kid has scared the crap out of me. Um, you know, his dad saying he'd go back to college, which is nonsensical and quite frankly, stupid. Um you know, some of the other stuff and some of his attitudes and how he deals with his teammates and actually how he deals with adversity. But like, dude was upset that he, <laughs> that he understood what that loss meant. Like, I, I thought that was the most human thing I've seen from Caleb. And I, I hope I see more of it because I think that's the real Caleb Williams. I think all the pomp and circumstance and the horse yeah. crap yeah. that I'm not interested in that. Like, I think a dude going over the sidelines and just finally letting go of like, damn it, I feel like I let myself down, the team down, we let us down, we failed, whatever. Like, that's human, man. That's real. And yeah. that we need more of that from Caleb instead of people speaking on his behalf or stupid ideas around him. Being human is a good way to put it. I just want to throw in, too, Caleb Williams and USC haven't been the same since he made an appearance in the uh, Fansville commercial where he was, like, walking around with a black cat and all, yep. and walking under the ladders and all that. Just saying, I don't know if that's the reason that it hasn't worked out for USC, but it could be. Did Dr. Pepper ruin Caleb Williams? All right, final (laughs) one here on fourth and short. Spencer, where should Ohio State be ranked tonight? Mm, I'm going to say they should still be one. I don't think they, as much as the Rutgers lost in some people's eyes. Did you say loss? It was a win. Sorry. You bastard. As much as the Rutgers win, uh, probably in some people's eyes, isn't impressive. I think that team was better than what people are giving them credit for. In the same vein, though, and I told you this on Saturday night, I think my biggest worry is what the teams that Ohio State has beaten did last week because Notre Dame lost to Clemson, and Clemson's not very good this year. Is that now a bad Is that now a bad win for Ohio State? And you saw Georgia obviously take care of business against Missouri. So I wouldn't be shocked if Georgia jumps them this week, but I think that they'll leave Ohio State where they are because the resume still speaks for itself. Yeah, I think they should still be number one. One, Georgia beat Missouri. Do it again because Ohio State has two of those wins. <laughs> yeah. um, and then two with Michigan, like, woo. Man, you really kicked the ass of Purdue. Hey, what a win. Ohio State beat Purdue by more, just saying. I think that, well, okay, but Michigan beat Rutgers by more, but that's neither (laughs) here nor there. So I I think this conversation should wait one more week. Georgia plays another uh, ranked opponent this weekend. Michigan plays Penn State this weekend. I think it could absolutely change. Like, I 
I think this 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 Michigan State game, you better drop 60 on them. You better just kick yeah. the living crap out of them because if you play another game similar to, to Rutgers where, yeah, you cover, but it's still a closer game or it doesn't pass the smell test, I think Georgia and Michigan will leap froggy next week. But this week, yeah, I think they're I still agree. one. I and I agree. and I think I think if 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 they're moved out of one, I think it might be to placate the masses, which to me just annoys me. And I think the I think the selection committee has done that previously. All right, guys, now Sons of the Shoe podcast. We've got a live edition on Tuesday night. That's tonight on ninety two through the fans YouTube. We're going to try and put it out there on our social media as well. Uh, please make sure to tune in. Don't forget to comment. We love to see your comments during the live shows um, there on uh, the YouTube channel and on StreamYard. Don't forget, we're new podcast. Uh, I must, what is it? Subscribe, rate, and follow wherever you get your podcast, guys. But we got the big uh, selection show tonight to react to. Until then, guys, Nick Wilson, Spencito, Spencer German, saying thanks for stopping by.